A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy. This is episode number 82. Did you have a good weekend, pal? I did, but first of all, let's pretend, let's not pretend this is the first time we've done this. I like doing it that way. We did it about two <laughs> minutes ago and everything was going well. And then Matt, who's behind the camera, realised one of the cameras was fuzzy because I kicked it when I had an emergency wee before we started. So this is the second time we've done this. But anyway, in answer to your question, Rick, I had a good weekend. I'll pretend I didn't hear what you said first time. I believe you, you went out for some dinner. Well, on Saturday, I went to Liverpool with my mum and my two nieces and we had a nice day out. Went to go to Nando's. Um, unfortunately, we went to Nando's and said, can we have a table, please? said, no, it was an hour wait before we could even join the queue. Wow. Which wasn't very good. So we had a five guys instead. No, that's not a bad switch. It was, but I believe somebody spotted me. You were? You were, you were spotted throwing your weight around yes. outside the front of Nando's. Then you know who I am. Yeah. I'm the co-host of the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast. I know James Robinson and my good mate is Ed Brown. <laughs> and he went, whoa. But do you really know Derek Chan? Exactly. He said, no, no idea. Um, so guys, this week's episode, we're going to chat a little bit about golf, about my most previous round at JCB, the final of the Break 75, which hopefully everybody enjoyed. I think the reception for Break 75 has been outstanding. Mm-hmm, it has. Um, the concept that we came up with earlier in the year. It's about, a good idea, wasn't it? Very good idea. <laughs> well done, Guy. Thanks. Um, I think, have we, told the, have we told the story about how we came up with the idea? I don't know if we have, actually. So... Was it during golf courses still? It was during golf courses were still closed, and it was yes. probably about March time, two thousand twenty-one. And no, it got, was earlier than that, was it? Yeah, I can find out the email now. One sec. So we were sat in the garage, film ready to film a club review in my home simulator of the Callaway irons, and we just all sat round. It was me, Guy, and Harry, and we were just like. <sighs> how do we make this video interesting? Because we couldn't get on the golf course, we couldn't do anything. And we ended up inevitably having a brainstorming session, thinking about, well, how how can we make something fun this year? What what would be a fun series of videos that would get me out playing a little bit more as well, but also would kind of really take the, the, the audience on a bit of a journey? Yes. What was the date? It was the 27th of January. Oh and I sent God, an e- January? Yeah, I sent an email it's quite actually, it looks quite good, this email. You think I um, knew what I was doing if you saw this. But the, the format at the time, so obviously it's changed a little bit, um, was... How, uh, Matt, does my audio sound all right, by the way? 
Yeah, okay. I feel like I sound a bit weird. It might be my headphones. Um, we were going to have 14 episodes every Friday at 4pm. So we weren't far we off. We weren't we far off tw- at all. We had 12 episodes, but inevitably we did have 14 because we we were going to do a um, almost a preview episode. Do you remember? That was what we were going to do, yeah. But it kind of didn't quite work and it ended up becoming the trailer that you would have seen just before the Break 75 series. And we also threw in a clip from the po- this very podcast on the main channel. So it's probably about right, actually. It was actually 14 uh, yeah, episodes so- in total. We were going to have them 10 minutes long every video. That didn't stick to original plan. We wanted to make them super, super, super snappy, but that was too hard. And it, I don't think it would have worked, actually, in the end. It, it was, if, if you think about this, an 18 holes going around playing golf, that takes roughly, when we're filming, four to five hours comfortably. Now, th- these videos could be an hour plus long. They could be five minutes, but you wouldn't see a lot in five minutes. And But then also an hour would be too long. So we had this premise of being very short, snappy. I think the sweet spot sat somewhere between 15 minutes and 20 minutes in the end. But what was weird, though, is it's not always the length, it's the actual story. So some Correct. of them that were longer actually felt shorter because there was more going on. Um, but I think for my, my actual probably favourite was probably the last one at JCB, weirdly. I think it had everything. I felt like the... St- What's always a good sign of a good a sign of a good video? Certainly, when we're looking at putting a really good YouTube to video together, and Harry, who did all the editing for the um, the Break Seventy Five, big shout out to Harry. Um, also, Matt did a lot of the film news behind the camera today, and also I don't want to neglect uh, Tim, another one of our our senior editor, does loads of the coaching videos that you see online. So, big shout out to him as well. I want to give him some love too. But when Harry shows us a preview. I know it's a good video when I have to say, how long are we through this preview? Mm. Because it feels like I've been watching for two minutes. And sometimes he says, oh, we're 10 minutes through. And it's yeah. like, wow, this this feels like a good video. Because for those first 10 minutes, I've been absolutely engrossed. I can't wait to watch more. And hopefully that comes across in the videos. I like the little kind of quirky edits we've had in the video, uh, different ways of filming it, different ways of putting it together. I think so Harry's music choices have been outstanding, really set the scene on certain aspects of it. Um so as an overall product, we're really happy with it. There will be possibly one or two special episodes coming soon, which you can look forward to. There will be. I think one definite, two's uh, not going to particularly happen now, but we'll see what happens in the future. Um, and then season two will be out next year, Start of probably start at about April time again. Will it still be break 75 then? I, I think that's a still a nice number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know... Weirdly, in the end, I did it five out of twelve times, which has let me down a little bit. There was, there was, I think I shot seventy-seven three times. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I had a couple of nightmares, two at JCB, one at St Anzold Links, um, and then just a couple of kind of high seventies. So I still think seventy-five is a nice number. Mm. I feel right now. As the end of the series appro- uh, has approached, I feel like now I've got nine months to get ready for next year's. No pressure. I don't know what I'm going to do different. I you might anything different. In I reality. might put a few more balls or something. Yeah, but I think the level that you're at, the number is, is right because it's like you said. Uh, if, if you got, if you really put a lot of effort into improving, and you and you did, and it would break seventy five, you'd, you'd probably do it a bit more easily. Yeah. But I think it's a good number at the minute because like you go out and you, and you could do it, you could not. I think that's what people enjoy as well. It's a realistic. It's probably more reflective of people's handicap. I know, again, your handicap's been given us plus one, but in reality, if you go out and shoot three over, you're pretty happy with that, yeah. or two over, whatever. Exactly. Um, but no, it's been good, and I think people have enjoyed it, and there's going to be more episodes coming in the future. Yes. And I'm excited for it. And I think going back to what we've just talked about there, this kind of idea of setting uh, certainly my own parameter, um, it was exactly now, four years ago, since I last qualified, uh, I last 
really played competitive golf. And the last time I actually participated in regional open qualifying. Well. My last open qualifying took place in 2017 at West Lanks, where I finished in style with a hole-in-one on 17 and a par on 18. I hung up my open qualifying boots and went, I'm okay with that now because I know where my limit sits. Well, open qualifying was this weekend. It was. And today, well, this comes out Tuesday, it is the final qualifying. So we should know by the end of today, well, not actually today that we're recording this, but by the time this podcast's out, who's got in, who's not got in, etc. I'm going to give a very, very quick summary of what open qualifying is, certainly for people in the States that might not know it. A lot of people in the UK might not know what it is. Okay. Over the last few years, it's it, typically you'll have a regional qualifying golf course, which is as, as it is, a regional qualifying course. Normally, there's probably about eight regional qualifying golf courses around the country. And on one particular day, normally at the end of June, there is an 18-hole competition and a top section of each regional qualifiers, the lowest scores, will qualify to play in final qualifying, which normally takes place about a week or so later at a different venue, at a final qualifying venue, where typically three players qualify after playing 36 holes of golf and those three players from four different final qualifying events so 12 in total play in this year's that year's open Mm -hmm. championship this year it's been slightly different there's only four regional qualifying venues once you qualify from there it's split over two days more field went through to final qualifying final qualifying takes place today at the said same said venues (laughs) as regional qualifying I'm making this sound dead simpler. Again, regional final qualifying is 36 holes. Top three get in. 12 golfers who some a mix of amateur golfers yep. who are playing off scratch or better. Teaching pros, ex-tour pros, mm-hmm. tour pros. Mm-hmm. Anybody has the chance potentially to be playing in the open in those 12 spots. The magic comes from, like you said, if you're a scratch handicap amateur or a PJ pro or just a pro, you're 54 holes away from playing in the Open. Crazy. And that is why the Open, obviously the name, the Open, is kind of so kind of magical. And I think you would find that most PGA golf pros at your pro shop, at your local golf shop, have probably tried it at least once, haven't they? Definitely. Most, because why would you not? Is it 120 yeah. quid or something to enter? Uh, I think it's getting close to, to 150 right, 150 quid to enter. Certainly if you're an amateur, because actually I'm going to come on to this in a moment. There's a guy from my golf club who entered. And in fact, there was a couple of guys. There was one guy who I'm going to touch on in a moment who entered. And, and his reason for playing was literally, it's 150 quid to play a good golf course in its best condition at its most tough tough test, you know, back tee, super thick, rough, etc. And you've also got the chance of playing with either a pro or another elite amateur who may go on to be a famous tour pro in the future it's a good way of looking at it so it's a day out and it's and it's putting yourself because a lot of these guys that are amateurs might be the best player at the club yeah. or even at county level or whatever it might be so there might be a big fish sometimes in a small pond and you go to open qualify and then there's some real serious golfers in there and it, and it puts you on a level where you see how good you actually are Definitely. and again it's that dream if it's if even if these scratch handicappers it's, it's, it's not going to happen probably but if a scratch handicapper has three rounds where everything goes right it could happen, maybe. Yeah, yep. that's, well, that's the it. exciting thing. There's no if you got to if you got through and you played great in regional, great in final, you shot the lowest of the scores. It doesn't matter what your handicap was, what your background is, where you came from, who, whatever it may be, you have a chance of playing in the open. So we've got some great news, very good news, because your friend of mine, friend of the show, yes who had an amazing podcast episode. You'd have heard it. I can't remember what number it was now. Probably in the 50s, would it have been? I don't know. A while ago. 
James Robinson. Yes. Who played in the Open in 2019 at Carnoustie. 18. Who, 18 at Carnoustie. Yeah, 19 was in Ireland. 20 didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, he participated in regional qualifying. He shot five he under par. Bossed it. He is through to final qualifying today. He's an absolute baller. And like you said, did he have no bogeys? Zero bogeys. That's outrageous. Five, five birdies at his home course with, with a relatively amount of uh, pressure. Pressure from our audience starting to follow him mm-hmm. now. He's got like 16,000 followers on Instagram now. Yeah, He's been participating in Road to the Open, that the uh, documentary that they opened. That was a very together. was a shout to the Open for that. Those videos were really good. They documented four people on their journey to hopefully qualifying for the Open. And, and James, one in particular, was class. And he it, featured you on it as well. gave us a nice, nice little shout out. You would have also seen him from the two videos we filmed, or three videos we filmed with James, where first off he took on the challenge of, can he shoot under par with 70-pound golf clubs? Yeah. Bossed it, like you said. Yeah. Can he challenge me with playing with only four clubs? Smash me. And also a little cool coaching video that he did. Five tips to play better around the short game. And when he pitched one in from like 50 yards. Well, you know, he's got such a following now and he's so cool and everyone aspires to be him. When you hear the kids on the streets now, they're wearing like some new trainers or sneakers. They don't go, oh, they're sick or they're cool. They go, oh, they're Robbo them. Because everyone wants to be Robbo. Like, I like your new hurts, Robbo that. Isn't that new Taylor made drive? It's proper Robbo. Because that just means cool now. Guys want to be him, girls want to be with him. Yes. But he's happily married. Um, <laughs> with a child. So, yeah, he's qualified. Uh, we, all, Everyone here from the Rich Shields Golf Show massively support him. Hopefully he continues. Matt doesn't. That's always slagging him off. not like him. No, he hates him. <laughs> Hopefully continues. And you never know, at the end of Tuesday, when you're watching England versus Germany, and England go through in penalties, and we get the good news that James Robinson has also qualified for the Open, the champagne is being popped. Even you're going to pop a little bit of, uh, of bubbly on. Tuesday I might have night. a second monster of the day and go mad. <laughs> Serious question now. Would you rather Robbo get through to the Open and England get beat by Germany or German, or England win and Robbo not go through? No, I think you'd go Robbo. I think I would. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I think, I'm sorry, England, but for me... Robbo comes first. Robbo, Robbo is priority. Yeah. If I had to, if I, if I... Yeah, if I had a golden ticket and I could say only one thing happens, Robbo's playing in the open. Your hair's getting more like Robbo's as well every I day. I wish it was. <laughs> I'd take his hair any day. No, I'd take had... any part of him. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> as Nat said to a bishop. Um, but no, Robbo has killed it. And, and regardless of what he does today on Tuesday, he has, for someone that coaches full-time with a ch- very young child, very, very busy golf coach, to go out and shoot five under with no bogeys is awesome golf. So he's really kind of lived up to his height. Well, not his own hype. He's not created the hype, but the hype we've created, if you like, he's lived up to. Doesn't it also show that talent is so paramount? So you were telling me the story, and I was following it a bit as well because I know a little bit about him and his and his um, his lad who's really good on Instagram. Um, oh, God, I forgot his, dad's, his lad's name. That's going to annoy me. Who? Ben. Oh, so Ben Barry, Yes, yeah. yes. So Barry Taylor, right, who yeah. is a golf pro at Clark's Golf Centre, where you go and practice sometimes. Really yeah. nice guy. Had loads of like local event victories. Has yes. he ever played in the Open? No. He's got through um, regional before. He's never got through final. I was following his journey so much yesterday, because after yeah. the nine holes, he was three under par at um, West Langs. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, had a little bit of a nightmare finish and just missed out by one. But again, Barry's not, he doesn't practice, does he? Yeah, so yeah. As, as Rick said then, Barry Taylor is a golf coach, used to be a full-time player, certainly on like the local tours. He's very good at kind of Lancashire level and country level. I think he's, he's probably his best accolade was that he played in the PJ Cup 
which is where the best PJ golf pros in the country play against us. Yeah. It's like a Ryder Cup, but for PJ pros, basically. Yeah. Um, but he's a, he's a really good player, but he hasn't played competitive golf, I'd say, for years. And probably hasn't even played a round of golf. I think it's me for a year or so. That, he yeah. clipped a few balls in between lessons and stuff. Yeah, and he shot two over. So he currently, as it stands now, he's the eighth reserve, um, which he's probably not going to get through on that. But Got like you said, just to show, there's, there's come to level where obviously you have to practice, but some guys and, and girls have just have a level of talent where they're always going to be able to get it around, aren't they? They just, they just have it. Well, it's a bit like, probably similar, but a bit different. But like when you watch like Ian Woosnam at the Masters and we yeah. said about it the other week, he's obviously not going to win it. He's not embarrassing himself. He's getting it round. So he's just he's got it to a level, hasn't he? And I think some of these guys, I mean, two over around West Lanks, you've not played for ages, is, is really impressive. Um, another so that that guy I mentioned before from my golf, match, I just want to touch on that. So there's a guy who is a scratch golfer, I think, at my golf. He might actually be lower now with the world handicap system because I know a few people have come down off that. His name's Dave Jarmenard. I think it's like a French surname, but he's, a, he's an English guy. Um, and he shot nine over at West Lanks. But this is, again, for me, I know we talk about this a lot on podcasts and people might be getting a bit sick of it, but this levels of ability. So Dave is a scratch golfer. So at my club, he's one of the best players. He's won club champs a handful of times. I was going to say, he's competing every time club champs yeah. is on, isn't he? He's, from what I, I've not played him for years, but he's not a massive hitter, but keeps it straight, can get it round, and, and round his home course, he's a comfortable, genuine scratch golfer. Really good at... I like I say, playing that golf course that he's played a hundred times. Yeah, and he, he can Plus. score really well. So he went to um, qualify it and he shot nine over eight to one. He's currently well, he's come tied ninety fifth. So he's, he's far from embarrassed himself. He shot nine over, which is probably the kind of worst he'd want to really shoot. But again, not a horrendous score. Is eighty one really? But it just again goes to show the levels. The scores that have qualified so far is one over. So he's about eight shots away from qualifying. Yeah. But at a local golf club, he is what we call an elite player. So again, that yeah. kind of big fish in a small pond. And it's just that level of like, every golf club again has got the scratch golfer, the plus one golfer, the elite junior. But even to get through the first stage of open qualifying, it's just that different level. And he's, I messaged him before and said, you know, I was doing the podcast today and did he mind if we mentioned his name and his score? And he said, absolutely no problem at all. He was playing pretty well, he said, although we got 81. He was only one over for 15 of the holes, but then eight over the other three. So as we see with these links courses, you have a couple of bad holes, it just destroys you. So we used to make doubles and triples. 100%. But he said actually as well, he said, um, all in all, it was a great experience. When am I a decent club golfer, which is quite modest, but nothing more than that, uh, which is very modest really, ever going to get the chance to play with a likely future tour pro around West Lanks for 150 quid. Loved every second of it. Very good. And he actually weirdly played with Josh Greer, who is the Australian young lad who featured in your Break 75 video with Minwoo Lee at, at, King's, Barnes. King's, ba- at King's Barnes. Who plays off plus five. Who got and he through. qualified. Yeah. Wow, mad small world, isn't it, really? Crazy, isn't it? So, so uh, Josh qualified. James Robinson qualified. A uh, friend of mine from college who was the best golfer in college by a million miles when I was there. Chris Hansen qualified. I think he was nearly winning it. Um, was there any other names that you know of? Um, like actually qualified. I know Sam Avery from St. Anne's Old Links. Did he get through? He qualified. Oh, my yeah. days. Yeah. Um, there was a 19-man playoff at St. Anne's Old Links. I think he was in it and qualified. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't realise that. Um, oh, yeah, he's there, yeah. Wow. It's cool, isn't it? That's really good golf. Um, shout out, because I think people want to know. I think Dan Webster did solid. Yes. So. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been his, it wasn't his best round of golf ever. I think he shot a 10 over. But considering only last week he participated in Ironman. Yeah. Was it Ironman or Triathlon? 
What's the difference actually? I think an Ironman's longer. I can't remember. He did it well. He did the one that's a marathon, a massive bike ride. Yeah. So whichever one that Whatever was, it, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I think he raised seventeen thousand pounds for Alderley Alder Hay uh, Hospital, where he's obviously his son was. Uh, big shout out to Dan. I think he's done an amazing job there. And actually, I'm sure he'll be slightly disappointed about his result, but good on him. The elephant in the room, Peter Finch. Peter Finch. He shot seven over. At West Lancashire, which was a 79, and he came tied 74th. So from qualifying, he was eight shots off. It's really interesting because I, I feel like Sorry, seven this year... seven shots off, my bad, seven shots off. Yeah, because one over qualified yeah. at West Lancs. I feel like this year, as I was looking at it, from from kind of uh, looking at it from the outside perspective, I've not played, with Pete, we've not played golf with Pete for a while, but from the outside perspective, I felt like he was trending in the right direction. I felt like this year with, with the things that you couldn't have a crowd at West Lancs, there's no audience. That's something that I found really hard to play in front of. I don't know if that might have suited him. There was a much better chance of getting through regional qualifying because there was more spots available. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't go to plan. He didn't qualify, which I'm kind of surprised about to some degree because I think he's put a lot more work into his game this year. I feel like he, he looks like he's swinging it better, hitting it better. Begs that question again. You look at the guys who have qualified, the ones that we know per, somewhat personally now, Josh, James, um, Chris Hansen, whoever else, they just have that ability to score outrageously well, regardless of pressure. Mm-hmm. Like They just have that ability to get the ball in the hole in less shots than most. Yeah, I think that's where Pete's lacking at the moment. I don't feel like he can put a score together that resembles a five, six, seven under. But if you said that to me, can Josh do that? Who we played with at Kings Barnes? Yes. Can James Robinson do that? Do that? Yes. Yeah, but but in fern, I, I get what you're saying, and and this might end up being a clip on the YouTube channel, I'm sure. So I want to just get this in before anybody starts commenting things, not listen to what I'm going to say. Fan of Pete, he's a, I wouldn't class him as a friend as such, but I'm because I don't really know him that well. But he's a nice guy, and whenever I'm with you, we have a bit of chat, and he asks how my family doing and stuff. So I can't fault him as a bloke. Yeah. First things first. But what I would like to kind of, I, my opinion is, this is where social media is, I think, can be false. Because even you just said that, it looks like he's doing well. That's it. On what basis? Because I can put, and I've done this before myself, I'll hold my hands up, clips on Instagram, holding a chip. I could be for a triple bogey, but if it goes in, it's a good clip for Instagram. <laughs> could have been your 10th attempt. And, and all, and exactly. And, and again, another thing to be honest about, I've got, not many, but a couple of swing videos on Instagram. I'll make sure it's the best swing out of the bunch. Yeah. Where I like, I might not actually, the result might be terrible, but if it looks in the positions I want to see myself in, I'll put it on. Yeah. So that's where social media and YouTube, and you know this was anybody, it, it, it's not always, it can't, well, your scores are real because your scores in 75 are what you've shot. You could put clips from when you've shot 85 and a 75. Looks like you've shot six under. A smoke drive, a chip close, a long hold put. Yeah. And someone could go, God, it looks like he's playing well. well shot 85. I think that was something that really people loved about the 75s is, is there were probably too many examples where, let's say the first tee shot on JCB, the most recent one when I dunked it in the water. That could have been so easy just to go, actually, guys, I'm going to take that again. 100%. But it's, 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 that's what happens in golf. Exactly. When I played at Hillside and left it in the bunker when playing with Spencer and made a triple bogey, that's golf. Mm. Like you don't get these retakes. And I didn't have these retakes. I wanted it to be authentic. And I think that's where it is. Like I could have easily made those break 75s look like I shot 70, 68 every single time. Uh, yeah, and that's I could it. have made and, that happen. And and with, and with like, you know, you're just saying then what Pete looks like he's doing off videos and stuff. But 
when it comes to obviously playing golf and putting a score in your hand, it, forget Instagram and forget YouTube. It's a different kettle of fish completely, isn't it? And like you said then about you don't, you don't think he's got that five, six under in him. Maybe he's not, but that's not what you're asking for, open qualifying. You're asking for one over. Yeah. So it, it's it's a different level. And obviously Pete massively does it in his kind of mantras. That he, and I get it. He, he wants to qualify for content because people enjoy watching it. And, and he also has this kind of idea that, him playing in competitive golf, he might learn things about his own game that he can then transcend to the viewer, which again, fair enough. You know, if he's playing in competitions and he feels like his head's gone or something's happened or a swing fault's really cost him a shot or whatever, he can then tell that to the viewer and hopefully help their game. So again, that makes sense. But the level, there's a big level there. And, you know, this year he's obviously had the ability to have a personal trainer. He's got obviously a simulator in his academy, where he can, well, his studio, we can hit balls all the time. He's having lessons. He's got all the best equipment fitted to him perfectly. This was his best year at getting in. I, I think looking at it, this was his best chance. I do. So and, I'm, and I'm intrigued to see where it goes next. Does he continue it? Does he try it for... Because, I mean, I, I stopped doing qualified for the open in 2017 when i was doing the series of quest for the open i did it in 15 16 17 after three years i realized i've got no bloody chance yeah. <laughs> like that's it at the moment pete's done he didn't do 15 he did 16 17 18 19 didn't do 20 because there wasn't one 21 so he's had five attempts now plus the ones that he's had previously i don't know where i know probably a question for pete where do you where do you end up drawing the line and going i don't know if i can shoot that low enough but that's the thing with the Open. It's it's £150 and you have three well, rounds at it. That's it. In, 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 in one sense, why should he ever stop? Because yeah. if it's 150 quid, it, without being funny, is not a lot of money, I'm sure, to him. It, it, certainly for the content he's making, it's nothing. 150 you have, you know, all you need to do, and I'm using that term loosely, all you need to do is have three of the best rounds of your life and you're in the Open. Even yeah. for him, I'm sure he wants to get through the first bit, which, he, he, you know, he could shoot one over on them. Yeah. I'm sure he could. Yeah, he could he do can. it today. Of course he can. Um but it's just that thing, and this is the beauty of the of the open, but also what you need to be re- realistic about is anybody who's off scratch or better can enter, and like it's only three rounds of golf, but it's actually a lot more than that. And the analogy we thought of before, which is a bit silly, I know, and I use this analogy a lot, but we've got a dartboard in the back off camera. If you give me three darts, I'll say, get a 180, I'll give you 100 grand. I'm going to have a go at it, and I might do it. But I'm probably not going to do it, am I? And that's the, it's, that, it's almost like a gamble, isn't it? pay for £150 for it? Well, probably would before we go, yeah, because if, if I do it, which I think I could do, is no, I've hit 180, I've hit, well, I've never hit 180, I've hit treble 20 loads yeah. of times, so why can't I do it now? You know what, almost even a better analogy is like, each dart is each qualifying event. Yeah, exactly, yeah, okay. The first it, dart yeah. is, is regional qualifying, yeah, bang, do, I've hit 60. Yeah. The next round is the first round Pressure of final qualifying, well. yeah. bang, I've hit it, and then the last dart is the second round final qualifying to get in the open or to, for your analogy, to win £100,000 like your hands like this, yeah. shaking like crazy. I mean, that's the different levels. I've got a question. Go on. Can a YouTuber who makes content, okay, lots of them now, lots of golf YouTubers, can a YouTuber who documents their story or puts themselves out there making videos, that's their job, can they have the ability and the skill to get into the open? Absolutely. Because this weekend... I was tracking a lot of the YouTube golfers. A lot of them didn't have the best performance. But this is the problem, right? And obviously, I love YouTube golf. And, and I'm not going to call anyone out. No, because no, no. that's for other people to look into. But, it's but not... you've had bad scores, which you've well, talked that, about. And I, I, I want to touch on that 100%, in a minute. But what I want to try and get off my, not get off my chest, it's stupid. And once, I just want to, again, preempt this for anyone says anything. 
every guy we're talking about, I'm sure, would go and beat me 10 and 8. So it's not about me thinking I'm better than anybody. That's not relevant. But people that make YouTube content obviously do it to entertain the viewer, to educate them, to inform them and all that, and it's great. But I think, and I'm involved, I'm part of this almost problem, if you want. I get sucked into it to think they're better than they actually are. Most of these guys that are making content on YouTube are decent players who can played for 10, 15, 20 years and get themselves around a golf course. But that is one thing. Doing it properly with these guys who are serious, serious golfers is a different kettle of fish, and the scores yeah. are reflected in that. There's no reason why somebody... It's not like it, you know you could document your round and then edit it, but on YouTube it might take a couple of hours to do so. You can still balance that with a really heavy workload of golf practice and be an elite golfer. That's doable. But the people from the current crop there's none of them really that are that amazing. The, the only ones that, and I, I know I got a little bit of a, of a slagging off for saying this last time, the only ones I've seen a little bit more promised now, because I've, I've, I've seen a bit more resulty type golf is like Mika from Good Good Lads, Mika Morris. But I don't know, again, I've not seen him in a competition That's as, as such. YouTube golf, when it's just cameras and it's entertaining. Like I, I feel like I'm in my absolute element when I am in front of camera and I'm talking and I'm and I'm like, right, guys, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit this shot. I'm going to hit a little drawer off that tree. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. Blah, 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 blah. Hit, oh, yeah, look at that shot. How good is it? I'm very verbal in the way I'm expressing it. I'm turning back to camera. I'm giving it a cheeky wink. I'm walking off, got a bit of swag, walking down the fairway. That That's how I feel like I play my element. Playing competitive golf is not that. Completely different. You don't talk. You don't get excited. Really, you can't do because other people you can't you can't be doing what I just did then, because <clears throat> so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it back that question because when I played competitively as a YouTuber, I thoroughly didn't enjoy it. Not thoroughly is probably the wrong word, but I found it very different to obviously playing just golf on camera, but playing competitive golf when you know you've got an audience that are following you and they want to know your result I found when I was playing golf in these competitions if it was going really well and I was playing solid I was already thinking in my head what's going to be my Instagram post after this round of golf like I can't wait to get on on Instagram with with me next to the leaderboard going hey guys I've shot 67 today I'm, mm. I'm leading in the clubhouse mm-hmm. how good am I but on the flip side <clears throat> There's so many times as well you'd be playing and, and you double bogey the first few holes and you go, oh crap, what fuck? How am I gonna how gonna how am I gonna explain this now on Instagram? How am I gonna tell my audience that oh guys, I just didn't didn't have it today. I've shot seven over again. Do you think that's the difference though? Certainly in the UK, I'm sure the people in the US or I might not be aware of or might forget, but everybody over here has been a YouTuber who then goes, actually, I'm gonna try and do X, Y, and Z. I'm gonna try and get on the tour. I'm gonna try and get into the open. If it was the other way around, it was, if it was an actual seriously good golfer who then said. Actually, I might document a bit of this journey. Then that's a different kettle again, different different yeah. story in it. Because but, they've got the pedigree already. It's just whether then they'd have the on camera presence. But you can learn that. Like it would be really interesting. Someone like Josh, yeah, Greer, yeah, who played it with uh, played with me at Kings Barnes, qualified for final qualifying. As he got it in him to potentially also do what he's doing with with the ability he's got, but also to make a YouTube channel and to be good on YouTube as an entertainer. Yeah, but then again, is he? If he's doing well at his golf, is he, is he going to be bothered to exactly? And it's it's a hard balance. I think people do get disillusioned by some of the people on YouTube because they see them go and shoot level par, like you said, in a vlog. But not only is everything different in terms of how it feels, the pressure with your friends, 
course is set up differently as well. So West different. Lanks yesterday, I imagine, I might be totally wrong, will be set up well different than if we'd have gone six weeks ago from Essabal. We'll be on the furthest back tees, the hardest pins probably, the rough will be long. It's different, isn't it? Yeah. So, And again, it's a bit like, I know we've, like if I went and played JCB in February off the yellow tees, I could get way closer to par. Exactly. But playing off the back tees, 7,500 yards, when the rough's up to your bloody hip, that's a different game. I think my final bit on this, and it's, I don't know why I feel so passionate about it, I wish all these people that go into open qualifying and make YouTube videos all the best. They are quite brave, like you said. They're putting themselves out there, knowing full well their score will get scrutinised by oh, that's tens of thousands of people, it. potentially. That's why I stopped playing competitive golf. 100%. So fair play to Pete, to James Wiltshire, to all these guys. The only thing I do kind of stand by is, I do think people think they're far better than they actually are. I really do because you get you you watch them on the odd video make a nice birdie here and there. You think the player thinks they're better than they are, or the audience think that that player is better than I they think are. The player thinks they're better than they are, or lets on that they're better than they are. Maybe they don't believe it deep down. I think the audience gets sucked into it. I definitely believe the audience think they're better than they are, because even me, like a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy going. I was in the car park at the Marriott, and they'd seen the handicap video and gone, "Oh, well done, Rickoff plus one." And I'm thinking, oh, don't be fooled. I'm not really. I know on paper now with these, but I'm off plus one on paper. I don't. I don't believe I am really. I still believe I'm a three handicapper, four handicapper. And again, it's just that it, that balance between being honest with the audience, being being transparent, and going, like, say, holding your hands up and going, okay, I might not be as good as as I think I am, or I'm going to play. Like, I feel like if James Robinson played all of them. Swipe the floor with them without even breaking sweat. Well, then the other thing we touched on before off camera is handicap. Now, I know, again, someone's going to probably say, well, pull to turn pro off four. But most of these guys, you know, who are making the YouTube videos as well, turn like yourself as well, turn pro off three or four. And like you said in the last podcast or the one before, when you suddenly turn PJ pro, you think, right, that's it now. I'm a scratch golfer. I'm going to yeah. go and shoot. But you're not like Pete. I know he's probably better than three now, obviously. But I think Pete turned pro off three. James Robinson turned pro off plus four or plus five. So you have about yeah. eight shots behind him. Now, you might have got a couple of shots better in a couple of years with all the practice, but you're still so far. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to enter if you're an amateur. You have to go off scratch. I also just want to make sure people, I, I know, I'm sure people have know this. We're talking about James Robinson, the tour. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Dextor Pro, the ones we've done videos with, not James Robinson, who does the YouTube videos, because I saw a bit of confusion on that yesterday as well. Um, I think the last, last, last thing to touch on this, because I saw a few tweets again yesterday, and, and I've, you know, I've, I've tweeted a little bit about open qualifying. Obviously, this is a big, big part of the podcast today. People saying, oh, why don't you qualify? Why don't you have a go, Rick, if you think you're so hard? <laughs> like, if you think I'm not, because I know I'm not good enough. Yeah. Like, I, all, I know I'm not doing it because I know I'm not good enough to qualify. I think that's the thing when people say that, and that's what I said earlier on with my thoughts. People might say, oh, well, they're better than you. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But I'm not for one second in any illusion that I could. And, and a lot of these people, like the guy I know from my girl called Dave, who played just for the experience to play you know, around a good golf course, I get that. But he's not expecting he can make it. The guys that are making content around it must believe they can. Because yeah. you're not going to make videos every year you're not gonna, if you're not going to do it. For me, I feel like if I was... if Start next year, and, and joking aside before, and I thought so I might do some practice for next year's Break 75, and suddenly those 12 episodes, where, where I'm playing mega, mega golf courses, and weirdly I'm like shooting five or six under every time I play, which is hard to believe. But if I did, I might think, oh, actually, my confidence is like sky high right now. I'm going to give it a little punt. But unless that's happening, there's not a chance yeah. I'm going to... If I if I shoot anywhere close to 80 a couple of times in these breaks, if I'm like, that's, I'm out. I just can't do it. What's the point? If, if you're not winning local PJ stuff <laughs> every fairly single, often, yeah, most weeks or week. coming top, top few, yeah. but even, no chance. But even the PGA events, like the local ones, there's like 30 players playing in it, and it's hard. No one's playing in it. But like this bigger professional tours are traveling like the 2020 tour and the clutch tour which have massive fields in them that are much like they're the ones you've got to be winning to really consider actually yeah i'm pretty good at this yeah or challenge tour or whatever like it's got to be levels anyway good luck with everyone hopefully wherever you find wherever you find your place in what it you know if you want to play an open qualifying and you want to give it a go go for it um just a quick one. So you know Barry, who's my we, Barry Taylor. We touched on earlier on. Yeah. He's my kind of friend. He's a golf coach. He's never played the Open. He never was never was on the European Tour, but he had a really decent career as a golfer. So he was seven-time Lancashire Order of Merit winner, seven-time Lancashire Professional Match Play winner, three-time Open Championship Regional Qualifying winner. So he won Open Qualifying at Regionals three times. He had um, four wins on the Tamsel Tour. Uh, so tour, four Tamsel Tour victories, an Order of Merit winner. Um, five times 1836 tour victories, an order of merit winner. Six times players tour, an order of merit winner. Did over a hundred pro am victories. That's ridiculous. So all that stuff. So he's won the first piece of open qualifying three times, but never got through to the actually open. He's won over a hundred pro ams. He's a serious golfer. That's crazy. And that's who you're up against. And he rocks out of his teaching bay and shoots a couple of missed out by one. Like that is the kind of golfer that is is a baller that people haven't probably heard of in you know further than Lancashire or whatever, 
who can actually play golf to a really good standard, doesn't document it all online, doesn't post his nice swing all the time, but can actually play golf. I mean, I almost feel like he wouldn't even put a post out about missing out on one yesterday, did he? I don't he? think he has, as far as I've seen. Well, I looked before, he hadn't done. Love that. It's just different, isn't it? It is. It even goes back to the last... On You remember last week we talked about the amateur championship? Yes. And uh, Laird Shepherd won it, yes. right? He only posted something yesterday. <laughs> So he's been amateur champion now for nine days, and only yesterday did he post something. But that's the thing. It's mad that I know, it? but I'm the same as you. I'd be thinking straight away what I'm going to put on Instagram. But that's what. The, but that's they're not, why they're the best golfers. They don't they're not live asked. in this world. No, not at all. There's like, more to life than YouTube and Instagram, isn't there? Really, which we can't believe because it's what we do for <laughs> a living. But it's true. Like I'd almost, I almost found, I almost find it fascinating. Like a lot of these lads, and they they might switch the tactics as they turn pro and sponsorship money starts to come in because having an online presence is really key when you when you're trying to make the sponsorship and you're trying to make money. I get mm. that, but so many of these amateur lads or or you know early pros who they're so not bothered about social media because that's a distraction exactly. that stops them playing golf at the best level they can possibly play. It at. Is yeah, right. Um, that's a lot of golf. It's a lot. Of, I've got a stupid golf rule for you. Okay, let's break it's, it up. So. Possibly my favourite feature of this at the moment, Stupid Golf Rules. If you've missed the last couple of episodes, it's where people write in with things that have happened to them either on the golf course or at the golf club where it's a stupid golf rule, hence the title. If you've got one that you want to send in, please do. It's podcast at rickshields.com and we'll get them out, hopefully. We've got loads of them in the, in the bank at the minute, but the more the merrier. This one, the, the good ones make my blood boil, Rick. Okay. Do you want your blood to boil? I, I, want, it, I want it boiling hot. Okay, so it's from Ollie. Um, don't think there's any, <laughs> I don't think there's any reason for it to be an, anonymous. When I started playing golf properly at 15, so about nine years ago, I was a junior at a golf club. Um, having taken up the game that summer, I started playing a few junior tournaments, and I was given a handicap of 32, okay. which I think at the time, they weren't official worthy, 28 was the oh. highest. There was a men's four-ball, better-ball competition coming up, and my dad asked the head pro if I could play with him, but obviously making sure that I was playing off 28. Okay. So I didn't take more shots than was kind of legal at the time. Yeah. The pro agreed and said that was fine. We booked to play on the comp. I basically played the best golf I've ever played up to that point, and we shot the best score overall winning the comp. So it was better ball, him and his dad. Yeah. Uh, four ball better ball, so that means just two yeah. against two. I always yeah. forget with that one. So he's gone off a handicap that's four shots lower than his actual kind of handicap, but wants to play firm playing the comp. Obviously, the committee of old men <laughs> heard about what happened, and we got disqualified. The head pro, in all fairness, was really good about it and was really angry as well, but couldn't get the committee to change their decision. Um, the old blokes have since moved on. The club's been better for it. So basically, he got banned and told he can't win the comp because of that. This isn't the first time I've heard a story similar to this. Many, many times I've heard a story where a junior golfer mm-hmm. has played in the men's competition, won it, and then after has been disqualified, not allowed to play in it, not allowed to collect the prize, whatever it may be. And for me, it's it's unacceptable in any capacity. Um, I, I think it's an, what's an awful situation is things like, it sounds like that golf club, the pro wants it to be act proactive and proactive to juniors. Ollie, you said his name was, didn't yes. you? Ollie wants to play in the, the men's competition. Like He wants to play, he, he's done the somewhat the honest thing and played off the maximum men's handicap, which was 28. So mm. he's already taken a hit there and he's had a field day, which a lot of junior golfers have the capability of doing so because they're playing at the golf club a lot. Like when you're a junior, you, you do 
reduce your handicap so much, don't you? Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're it playing so much, you're playing more than the comps, so you, you can't get your handicap down low enough, quick and enough. Th- I think that's where the old men committees at many many golf courses they can't get their head around. Mm-hmm. They can't accept the fact that because I only get to play once a week, because I'm working every day, Monday to Friday. I'm at an unfair advantage at a junior who can play every single night and get mm. the handicap down, but that that's it. That's golf. Like if the player shot the lowest net score, if that's what it is, if it's a net tournament, that player, regardless of age, regardless of sex, mm-hmm. that's another big thing that's come into kind of uh, fruition recently. Regardless of of what's taken place there, if that player has entered to play the competition and abide by the rules that are set out in play. They should be able to take the prize. They should be able to win. There should there should be no restrictions to who wins that competition. I think for me, what it look I mean, obviously it looks like they're probably something against juniors. It's more the fact that if, if I'm trying to play devil's advocate, they've said, "Well, you play off an incorrect handicap because your handicap's 32 and you play off 28." But he's gonna have a handicap that's lower. So I, it's I'm not... sure you're allowed to go off handicap lower. Are you? All right, I, okay. I might be wrong, but I remember something along the lines of. I'm sure you're allowed to play off because there's lots of like corporate days or other days where the maximum handicap is 20 or 24 or whatever. That's true, yeah. And you have to play to that handicap. Yeah, that's very true. So if the maximum handicap is 28, fair, yeah. The the only only thing, and again, <laughs> for me, is that if it was, and I don't agree with this rule one bit, I think it would be ridiculous to have, but I know golf clubs will have it. If there was a rule that very clearly stipulated that junior golfers cannot play in men's competitions. And that was the rule set out in play. And this junior entered a men's competition and won it. If the rule was set out in play that juniors categorically cannot play or winning men's competitions, then the committee have a point. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I think no. that's wrong and, and incorrect. That's the only time that you ever think, oh, actually, he doesn't deserve to be disqualified. Or he does deserve to be disqualified because he's actually broken a rule of the golf club. I've got a question for you then. Go for I it. I want to be honest on this. And it's a tough one. I don't agree with it, but it's just worth the discussion. So at my, my golf club when I was a junior, if you were a single-figure handicapped junior, which actually there were quite a lot of us at the time, you could play in the men's comps. Yep. And I think you could win them all if you were off. I think you could. It might be a couple that you couldn't, but I think you could. But you knew that going into it anyway, whatever the rule was. And obviously at the time... I completely was was for that and thought it was completely fair, and a lot of people did as well, and I, and I still do. But just to put a different opinion out there, how would you feel if you were um, a, a full member of a golf club and your green fees are let's just say twelve hundred pound a year, and juniors are paying hundred pound, which obviously it's great for juniors to pay a reduced green fee. It's good to get people into golf, etc. We all, I'm sure, we all agree on that. But if you want to play at ten o'clock on Saturday morning because you had something on the afternoon, it was your daughter's birthday party, whatever. And it was busy. You know, club comps these days, you know from experience, get very busy very quickly. You go to book on it about 10 o'clock and there's no spaces. And the 10 o'clock tee you were hoping for has got uh, two blokes and two juniors. They're paying a tenth of your green fee. Would that annoy you that you can't get that green fee because the juniors there? Or is that just really petty? Or how would you feel? Because I could kind of get it to some degree if someone was annoyed. I, I just... I don't ever think I'd look at it that way. I don't think I'd ever break it down to how much they're paying from a personal perspective. And the other thing, when people get asked about juniors winning, I, personally, again, if you're asking me, I just don't think I'd be asked enough. Like, even if I had an, a, a, get my name on a board, I don't think I'd be asked enough to think, oh, juniors beat me because he's shot a less sco- net score than me. It's just golf. Like, But what about that? I know it's hard because you're not a member of a golf club, but if you wanted to... If it was happening... 
all the time. I think I'd want to. I'd I'd want to get in a point going. How can I guarantee a tea, tea time at ten o'clock? Yeah. If I want if I want a tea time at ten o'clock, what do I have to do to guarantee it? The the thing. I mean, do you remember the old school things? It probably still happens at golf clubs where the Saturday competition, the paper board, the paper sheet would go up in the clubhouse on a Thursday night. Yeah, and like the week for the week after, so not the next. Yeah, yeah that just happened at mine. You'd have it's to all online physically now. Physically, yeah. go down to the golf club because it was the golf club's way of getting up. Oh, Rick and Guy are going to go down and we'll grab a quick pint yeah. or whatever. Um, but I mean, that 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 I found ridiculous because if you worked yeah. evenings and you couldn't get down, that's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, yeah, I can say it's probably hard for me to really give an honest answer because I just don't think I'd be arsed enough. No, and I, that's good. I don't think people yeah. should be, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to give other reasons because i don't get it why people are so against juniors sometimes but like that could only be one angle that people might say well i'm paying tenfold what they're paying and i can't get a tea time but that is very petty yeah. if it happened every week maybe you've got a point but if it's a one-off it's it's not really yeah because otherwise the the 954 that's been taken by four members full pay what i should still i just can't get a tea that's what i'd be annoyed about as opposed to who's in that tea slot yeah like it's almost more the club's fault why can't i get a tea on a on a day that I want to play golf. Do you, do you think that juniors would have to should have to play with men though? So it's, you couldn't have four juniors in a comp or three. I, I I must admit I'm not opposed to that. To which um, juniors needing to play with yeah. a, an adult member. And you know what? It's not so much the fact that it's it's checking up on the juniors. It's just making sure that that no nothing happens that the juniors aren't aware of. Let's say a rule impeachment or they've not quite added up the scores correctly or like. I feel like it's just more of a guidance yeah. rather than policing. Yeah. Like it's more like we're going to put a, a male um a male golfer with you or sorry not a male an adult golfer with you just to keep um not check that's the wrong word just to help help you out mm-hmm. not to police you and I think it's like good as well if you had three juniors and one of them shot a net 65 people might be thinking it's a bit wrongly so people might be not believing it but if there's a grown up there with them it might be a bit more Yeah. That that's all it is. I feel like, you know, if if it sounds a bit petty, but if, if three juniors were at school in the playground, their version of an event on their own would be very different if an adult if an adult was there yeah. that saw it all happen, I feel like the adult would have a better perspective of the mm-hmm. event that took place. And that's similar to out on a golf course. Like if you've got three juniors out there playing on their own, uh, if it's a junior comp, fine, that's what it is. But I think as a as a proper tournament or whatever you're playing in i don't think it's the end of the world if you did have an adult there just checking it because like, i and the other thing as well i'm not sure how confident because i've had it not personally but a, a student i used to coach had an issue with another junior and they thought this other junior was cheating a lot and that the junior that i knew didn't maybe have the confidence or the ability to raise that yeah. subject where i feel like if it's an adult there an adult could go i'm really sorry little jimmy you've made an error there. Like that's, that's actually against the rules of golf. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but you can't ground your club in a bunker or actually, by the way, did you notice there you took eight shots and you didn't take a six or do you know what it is? Yeah, it's, yeah. More, it's more just giving that little bit of guidance, having that, having that grown up brain, being able to put an input in there. Nice. Nice. Deep. Input. Yeah. Deep. Or well, say what then, um, quick dear Rick. And then let's, I've got some questions on Instagram for you. Okay. So the dear Rick this week, um, quite short, but quite sweet. I recently started playing last year um, after playing when I was younger, but I always used to get bored or annoyed after 12 holes or so, so I stopped. Really enjoying playing, 
got a couple of groups of friends I play with, and they are all between a 15 and 23 handicapper uh, handicap. And I'm playing off 32. I've had a few lessons, but I find um, once a week for half an hour doesn't seem to be beneficial, and I'm probably playing about twice a week. I'm slowly improving, but really find it difficult to keep motivated, as I almost feel like I get sympathy, good shots, when I know they're really bad. Would you recommend cutting back playing and taking more lessons for a while, or just keep going from anonymous? Mm, half an hour a week. Half an hour lessons I always really struggled with, personally. I feel like in half an hour, you can't really dive into a student and really get, you know, make some actual significant changes. For me, I always wanted to coach hours or even somewhat two hours. So what what might be a good recommendation there is if he's going to take half an hour each week, why not bunch them all together and take two hours once a month? Because you might even get a better discount on lesson prices as well. Then continue to play and if you've had three weeks of playing experience at least then at the end of the month or start of next month you can go back to your coach and go for the last three weeks this is what i found these are my scorecards these are a little bit of stats i feel like i could do with working on my chipping or my putting on my driving and then the coach can go great we've got two hours today to really dive into this information um i think little half an hours here and there just don't quite do what you want it to do um so that would be my recommendation Play a lot of golf, yes. Have two, instead of half hour lessons every week, have two hours once a month. That would make much of a bigger difference, in my opinion. You know what I don't understand about this question, though? This is kind of why I've picked it. Because he started off, or he or she started off by saying, they started playing last year, and they played a lot when they were younger. They used to get bored or annoyed after 12 holes. Mm. They've then said, really enjoying playing, got a couple of friends. And then, the, but then he says, "I'm slowly improving, but I'm finding it difficult to keep motivated. I'm, I'm feel like I'm not getting, I'm, as I feel like I'm getting these sympathetic good shots, etc. When I know the bad shots, I don't kind of get. In one breath, he's saying I'm really enjoying playing and being back, and obviously enjoying it much more than when they were younger because they're playing the full 18 holes and stuff now and being with friends. But then saying that they're getting kind of demotivated by the bad shots. So it's kind mm. of like I don't understand if they want to what, what the. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. It sounds is it because like the friends it, are better than them that's getting them down? Possibly. If the friends were off 35 and he was off 32, or he or she was off 32, you might be thinking, oh, I'm great. Is it more the components of other people who might be more gifted? What's that uh, meme? Always play golf with someone who's just slightly worse than you. Well, that's why I love playing with you. <laughs> <You're fantastic>. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we play, I destroy you. Scorecard in hand, guy wins. Simple as that. Oh, what a load of crap. Match play around Marriott, Rick might have the edge, but scorecards separate the men from the boys. <laughs> One round for these old course. At worst, sorry. Oh, yeah, St Andrews, the old course. Yeah, the most famous golf course in the world. No, but yeah, I don't, I think, again, we've said this before, but what, as golfers, we're also bothered how we play, aren't we, naturally? But what, so we need to just enjoy playing. And that, I think, you know what I was looking at the other day, actually, just, just briefly. So, you know, on Facebook, you've got your memories pop up. The year 2013, stuff that happened around this time, so what's that, eight years ago now, there's a few things that popped up, and that was the best I've ever been at golf. And, there was, yeah. yeah, there was a few, I a bit cocky, but at the time I was taking pictures of, like, because you know when you, you play a comp at the club, and I think they still do this, they used to always print them off and put yes. them on the board. Yeah. I had a couple of wins in some of the men's comps as well. Obviously, I was, I was in the Black. full section then. But a couple of wins, a couple of lowest grosses, a few, like, level pars and stuff. And at the time, I remember what the difference was. And the only real difference was, I, probably got to, I think I got my handicap down to 2.6, was the lowest official I got to, I think. So it was nearly 2, but 2.6. And I was having this really good golf. I'd shoot level, one over, couple over. And the only thing that was different, I remember this so vividly, was I wasn't getting bothered by it. And I remember yeah. this weird feeling of hitting bad shots and thinking, 
I don't care. I think I was 22 at the time, so I knew I wasn't going to ever be a good, good player. I was Dreams of being a pro had long since gone. I was working full time. And I had this feeling of like, I don't really care. And and off the back of that, I actually played the best golf I've ever played. Who famously now has that same kind of mindset? Who doesn't care? Yeah. One of the best players in the world. Dustin. Mm. And that's what a lot of really good players, when they when they praise Dustin Johnson for his, his golf game, they praise his mentality. Yeah. Because he, he just doesn't care, does he? No, I mean, granted, he he's so chilled. He's a multi, and... multi, multi millionaire, and he's won everything that's in sight, and what, pretty much everything in sight. <clears throat> he, he just doesn't seem to care, and and I think that's again going back to you know when you do hit a bad shot, almost see it as an opportunity. Right, my next one, I'm going to recover from this bad shot or whatever it may be, and it's and it's, it's listen, it's difficult, and it's it's it can be draining golf sometimes. I mentioned in the last last episode of break 75 sometimes you have highs lows but just get out there and enjoy it like enjoy the environment enjoy the people you're playing with enjoy the challenge it's not always going to go your way but if you stop enjoying it that's when it's kind of becomes a bit of a problem um i want to very quickly only because i've not we're not touching it loads european tour uh over in germany victor hovland won it uh it's really interesting with victor hovland because he's obviously playing loads of golf in the pga tour over the last number of years competing against these best players in the world all the time it, it almost felt like he was always going to do incredibly well at the BMW International this week in Germany, just because he's playing on the European Tour. Like, how different must it feel for someone like that, do you think? To be over back in Europe? Yeah. Hmm. I, the courses are different, typically. Yeah. So that's going to be different. The, the, the standard of golf is, is different. Obviously, the PJ Tour is the elite, isn't it? That's a fact. But you just have the best players... If you look at the top 20 players in the world, they're playing on the PJ Tour. They're not playing in Europe all the time, are they really? No. Like, he was competing against second place with Martin Keimer. Where you think, Martin Keimer, yes, seven years ago was one of the best in the world. I think he got to world number one, didn't he, almost? Yeah. But, like, now, he, you know, when you when someone like a Victor Hovland, a young lad who's every week playing on PJ Tour, playing against the best of the best players... I almost felt like he was always going to come back and win that this week, which which obviously did. Why was he um, over here? I'm guessing it's a link with BMW. Oh, okay. I'm guessing. But also, don't forget, now there's a swing. Next week, they're in Scotland. The week after, in the oh, Open. Yeah, it's true. It's so potentially, over. and obviously, he's from Holland, so it's like, does he... Does to he Norway. Just, Norway, sorry. Does he, does he come back and go to Germany, nip yeah, over to Norway... I don't. Do you know I actually realised he'd won twice in the PGA Tour. Has he won twice? Yeah, and I thought I knew he'd won once. I didn't realise he'd won um, the Puerto Rico Open in February of last year, and then he won in December. Well, the Puerto Puerto Rico Open is the one that they say is a bit of a curse. Like if you win that, you often don't go on to win oh, other events. But obviously, he's broken that curse. I, he's he is honestly one of my favourite players to, to watch. It's mad. Look, his birthday was uh, September nineteen ninety seven. So he literally wasn't born when Tiger won the Masters. Badness, that isn't it? Oh my god! You know what I think? It's mad about stuff like that. That's actually crazy. I was seeing this the other day with the, the, Euro, the Euros on the football, and a lot of these players are now born like the year two thousand. It's not so much mad that he doesn't, he wasn't born when Tiger won the Masters, because although I remember that, I was only six. It's more the fact that he don't remember stuff from like two thousand two that well. that well, which for me doesn't feel like I said high school in two thousand two. He won't remember like two thousand Tiger. Yeah, it's bizarre, that, isn't it? Crazy. Um, done some questions then. I'm going to touch on two more things. Go on. Travelers Championship. I know. I don't listen, know anything about this. So I didn't watch leave. anything <laughs> until the eight-hole playoff. That is crazy. So uh, Harris English ended up winning it. He was 13 under through 72 holes, 
and then uh, I don't want to butcher his name, but Kramer Hickok um, was also in the playoff. They had eight holes. I watched a lot of the playoffs on social media and stuff because it was super, super late at night when we, when it was on, so I didn't watch it live. They had seven pars continuously playing the 18th and a few times playing the 17th randomly. And then it came down to the last hole and um, Harris English made birdie and won the tournament. I just wanted to touch on that very quickly. And then last, 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 last thing, because I actually weirdly watched more of this this weekend than um, any other golf event. It was the uh, KPMG Women's PGA Championship and uh, Nelly Corder, who now has just gone to world number one, won it. And she's famously it's, uh, with the famous sister, the Corder sisters, um, her golf just looked outrageously good. She made two eagles on the final round and threw in a weird double bogey as well, which after dunking it in the water. Um, but I actually watched a lot of the ladies' golf and actually really, really enjoyed it this week. Not that I don't normally, but it sometimes gets <laughs> overshadowed with <clears throat> with how much golf is going on at the weekends. Like, for example, a couple of weekends ago with the Amateur Championship, um, the US, oh, not US mm-hmm. Open, US Open, whatever happens in European european event and then the ladies i always feel like there has to be some level of priority uh but i must admit that went higher up in my priority this week watching it so it's class nice <laughs> that's uh rick's tall pro- what's that doing that 60 seconds for it to pretend he watches the golf i'll just sit here and have a clue it's talking about these names i've never heard of before and nobody shouted for again it's, whatever it's um whatever yeah each to their own uh, okay so let's i've not done this for a while it's like almost like quick fire questions obviously it. it's never that quick fire but um so this on instagram um sean has said pick one a driver fitting or a putter fitting now probably depends on the individual but what do you think is going to be more beneficial for most people uh, i think more people would pick driver fitting mm-hmm. because they think oh can it longer in this side or other but neglect how many times they use the putter uh, i feel like in a weird way you can if you had a rack of putters, let's say there was, you went in a pro shop and there was 20 putters, have a few putts with them, and weirdly, it's a bit like at Scalibur's Sword, mm. you'd find the one that kind of suits you naturally. Yeah, you'd, you'd want, oh, I like the look of that, I like the feel of that, the weight of it, I feel like I'm rolling that well, it's going in the hole more more often. Like, I feel like you can almost do that on your own. Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect, but you can kind of do that on your own unless you're massively like seven foot tall or you you know you're really quite short and you need a different angle or length or whatever it may be. Where the driver fitting, you can't really do that. You need somebody to have the data, the launch monitor, the screws, the fitting, different shafts, the different lofts, have that expertise a bit more. Like, I don't feel like you can do that on your own. Yeah, but that that's the thing as well. It's how do you determine fitting? It's something that I always confuse. No, is it confusing yeah, yeah, me because? fitting like you've just said i know what you mean about doing it yourself but if you give someone like a traditional bullseye putter it's like what you have at a crazy golf versus a massive like two ball or big spider and and they said try one of those out i suppose that is in a sense a fitting and even if you do it yourself you fitted yourself by going in like that putter i like that one whereas when you think of fitting you think of like being in a studio hitting balls a professional fitter i must admit my brother had an amazing putter fitting um at torex golf and lisa Lovin, and it was phenomenal it was so insightful well, it's not improved his putting at all, I wouldn't say. And that's go. not an effect on the fitting. I mean, I, I know a bit but about... he stands very strange to a putter, doesn't he, actually? Yeah, but it, it didn't literally didn't improve his putting, but I'm not suggesting that the fitting was great. Sorry, but sorry Giles, by the it, way. No, yeah, he does. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it is tough, isn't it? I know we have this fitting debate quite a bit and stuff, but it's... I'd love to know... Maybe people can email in real actual factors where like, you've had a fitting and you've actually dropped your score. Yeah. And that can't, but but then again, how do you measure that? Is it because I got fitted for a set of irons, then played more golf because I love them, and therefore my handicap came down? Or is it a direct result of the fitting? Uh, too hard to measure, almost. Um, 
Are tattoos looked down upon on the golf course? That's from Connor. Would you look down at someone if they had a tattoo, Rick? Not at all. No? I don't have any myself, but I quite like tattoos, actually. Weirdly, I follow a lot of Instagram accounts of tattoos and tattoo artists. I find it fascinating. Really? Yeah. I find it so incredible, certainly when it's like artwork and I can really appreciate it. It's not something that I have or I don't know whether I would do in the future. Um, I wonder I wonder whether that's because of my profession. Like, have I ever been influenced by it? I don't think it is. I think tattoos either love them or just, well, love them, hate them, or just don't have them. Do you know what I mean? But like, let's say I worked in an, in an industry and I don't want to... I heard barbers, I feel like I have tattoos. Yeah, let's say I was a barber. Professional footballer. Do you feel like if I saw that all the time, would I be more inclined to do it? Possibly, but... I feel like a lot of footballers have tattoos, loads actually, don't, do, they? don't they? Boxers do, typically, as well, a lot of boxers. Like, I wonder if that's... UFC. If I lived in that world, whether I would, because golfers typically do not, like... There's, there are some that do, obviously, have golfers, but I don't... There's not real... Maybe Ricky Fowler's the only one on tour that I really know has... See. And, and JT. What have they got? Ricky Fowler's got um, the Olympic rings here. Oh, that yeah, that's fair. Uh, JT has got something on his wrist, I think. I'm sure he has. Let me have a look. Tour pros tattoos. Quick question while looking for that. Um, what course... I can't speak today. What course should be on the open rotor but isn't? Uh, I don't think it's a popular choice, but it's one that I've played and think it's the best one of the best courses I've ever played, Trump International. Yeah. I don't think it ever will because of politics or whatever else. Um, but I think as a golf course, that golf course is spectacular and absolutely geared to have an open championship. But I don't think it will just because it has the word Trump in it. <laughs> take take that as you wish. I don't know what, what to... You know, Seve used to have a tattoo. Did he? Seve had a tattoo of that. Well, that's quite cool. Of his logo on his uh, left kind of uh, forearm there. Yeah, Ricky Fowler's... Got, sorry, I've got it wrong. Ricky Fowler's got Olympic tattoos here, guy, on, on his, his, on his forearm. Uh, forearm. And a few other tattoos just around dotted around his arm. Um, I'm sure Justin Thomas has got something. I want to have a look now. Uh, any other quick fire questions? Um, there is, but the problem is a lot of them have been asked before, and I don't want to bore people with the same old questions. Like someone said, what's your favourite golf brand? But it's hard, isn't it? To, to... Yeah. Uh, Danny Willett has got an infinity loop on the inside of his forearm, inside of his uh, bicep. Very good. <laughs> so uh, welcome to Rick Shields Tattoo Review. Okay. The problem is this website, every every page is like a new page that has to load. Thomas Bjorn, famously. Oh, what's this? Is it Ryder Cup something? He's got the Ryder Cup score tattooed on his ass. Nice. Yeah. Okay, well, that was good. Um, <laughs> don't know how, how long are we on, Matt? An hour? Just over. An hour, two Just minutes. Just over an hour. Um, okay. Thanks, Rick. Bubba Watson's got... Uh, what does that say? I think what I might do, I might just walk off the set and just let Rick look at tattoos his for the wa- next hour. His wife tattooed on his wedding ring finger because he doesn't play golf with his wedding ring on. But so when he takes it off, he's got a name. He's got a name. Lydia Ko got tattoos, but doesn't show what it is. I feel like people are driving along now, kind of. They can see there's like two minutes left, thinking, "What the hell is this going to extend for two more minutes?" And Rick just saying random names, pointing at body parts people can't see, listening to it on in the car. Uh, I just want to get to Justin Thomas. I'm sure he's got one. Get, what, pe- so people will probably on the treadmill now. We're out for a run or on a long car journey. What motivational quote do you want to give them right now? Practice in the dark to shine in the light. Well done. It's quite a good one, yeah. isn't it? 
Beef's got beef head. Diamonds create pressure. No, it's diamonds the wrong way around. <laughs> pressure creates diamonds. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. This feels now like terrible podcast. I'm literally sat here with Rick looking at... Francesco that. Molinari's got a Chinese symbol. What does it say? Uh, I wish it was... Oh, I mean, he doesn't even know. He got it when he was 18. So, thanks for listening, everybody. That was really Mel Reed has got a parent has got a parent's birth dates on a forearm. Oh, I did have Justin Thomas. Gotta got keep looking. Justin Thomas tattoo. What are you up to this week? Um, <laughs> well, working. Harry's on holiday. He's done all the wonderful editing for Break Seventy Five, so he's chilling. So I'm thinking like bit of golf, bit of brainstorming. Has he got a tattoo? Anyway, I think I think this is genuinely time we should be wrapping this up now, Rick. You can carry on this off, but we can turn the mics off, you know. People, this is on YouTube as well. People are watching this. This was the absolute. If you know what, if you've turned off, that's fair enough. I respect you more for turning off than watching this crap. If you've not turned off, thank you. You're a hardcore fan, and lucky for you, you've just been entered into the draw to win a million pounds. Yes, and also what I was thinking, people. All you've got to do is send a thousand pounds to Rick Shields. That's a very good shout. <laughs> What's quite good is there's people who want to be in the clubhouse desperately and don't want us every week, so they have to keep listening to this. So we just keep those people that are hardcore, just keep them listening for ages. No, let's end it now. Guys, thanks for good. listening to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast. We're back for episode number 83 next week, and we've got some new guests lined up very soon, which yeah. are, I'm excited about. You are, and I think you should be too. You should be. Peace out, everyone. Come on, James Robinson. Get in the open. See you soon. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.